going on, everybody? Hope you all are having a good week. We're doing a Thursday edition of Bar Top Sports Talk this time around. Episode 59 coming at you. This is your host, Tino Bernal, co-host. Joining me, as always, Ryan Murray. Give him a hand, everybody. Give him a hand. <laughs> Let's go. Man, how cool would it be if we actually like had a live audience sometime? But we'd actually have to do it live, not pre-recorded. Oh, we could do it. I'm if not we, sure. If we could find enough people to show up, <laughs> we could do it. Listen, our, well, I can't even check the metrics anymore, but I think it was probably, like I don't know, five listeners. Oh, you got this. <laughs> like I said, though, I hope you guys are having a great week. What is it? We're dwindling down to September. We're getting last week of September's next week. We hope you guys enjoyed episode 58. We had some good things for you for episode 59. Week three of the NFL season is here. It's been a lot of no, newsworthy headlines to come out of week, the aftermath of week two. Injuries, blowouts. There's some teams that are starting to separate themselves, even though it's only been two games. But still, yeah, there, there's some teams that look serious. Fantasy updates, we're going to bring you guys that. Our week three picks, got to come in with the picks. And this week, we're going to do this the rest of the season. Me and Ryan are going to try to give you guys some betting advice. So we're adding a little twist onto the picks. Now, don't get mad at us if the picks don't hit. No one said you had to take our picks. But what we're going to do, we're going to do our lock of the week. So we'll talk more about it during the picks. But look forward to that as part of the NFL and college football. So college football week four is here with the AP Top 10. We'll get into that here in a little bit. We're going to have our KU update. They made me nervous, man. I was listening to episode 58. As I do with every episode, I like to listen listen back, learn from things, and <laughs> just listen to what some of the things that we said just to go over it again. Yeah. And we were really convinced KU was 28-point favorites last week. And lo and behold, we all know the final score. Jayhawks are 3-0, and but that was, that was a scare. We'll get into more about it during the college football segment. And wrapping up episode 59, we're going to have some baseball talk for you guys. MLB week 25, I, I believe. Like I said, the last few weeks, I haven't been sure. It's either week 25 now or week 26. I really can't tell you. Either way, we're coming down to now the last week and a half of baseball. I believe there's now 13 days until the end of the MLB season. Ryan's not too excited. It's a, oh, my best haven't been hit, man. Yeah, though that's frustrating. I bet on the Royals. I bet against the Royals twice in the past week and a half. I told you that. I bet against them against the Astros, and I bet against them who the series they just play. Cleveland? Yes, against Cleveland. And both of them lost to the Royals. I was very disappointed. But then again, it was bittersweet. It should have been betting against them all year. I know, man. Maybe I would have been in good luck. Who knows? But we'll have some MLB update for you guys. We're, the playoff picture is starting to come into full focus. We're going to talk some more wild card. There's now division winners, I believe, three or four, and a few more up for grabs, especially over the next week and a half. So I'm excited to get into that. MLB postseason, I believe, starts, I want to say, October 3rd. October 3rd or October 4th. So quickly approaching. 
I'm excited for it. I know you aren't, Ryan. Hopefully you pay attention a little bit to MLB postseason 23. Yeah, maybe. Last year was pretty entertaining. There were some upsets. Philly, they were a Cinderella. Nobody expected them to make it to the World Series. Who knows what will happen? But episode 59, we're going to begin with the NFL. It's the, the now thing in the sports world. So as we have the last few weeks, we're going to start there. Ryan, hit us with the power rankings. We went off NFL.com, right? Yes, sir. So number one, 49ers, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys, Dolphins, Bills, Ravens, Lions, Jags, and Saints at number 10. I'm honestly surprised this guy continues to have the Chiefs in the top three. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I feel like he's being a little generous to us. Yeah, it hasn't been pretty. I mean, we have a loss. But then again, I mean, a tough road win at Jags. I mean, yeah, their playoff team. I, I mean, think held them to nine points. Yeah, that, that dynamic offense. I spoke very highly about it last week. So, I mean, yeah, good defensive performance. Honestly, I'd have Dallas probably at number two behind San Francisco right now. Philly should not be top three. No. I know Philly is 2-0, but those two games, while their defense has looked pretty impressive, that front four is monstrous. That that defensive line is insane. Yeah, I mean, obviously being biased, I want the Chiefs to be up there, but honestly, 2 through 10, you could jumble that around as much as you want to and have it a reasonable argument. Yeah, that's a fair point. Miami, I feel like Miami should be higher. Maybe I feel like they're probably a little bit higher than Philly. I'd put them uh, over Philly. I'd put Dallas over us. Buffalo, now everyone's back on Buffalo. Yeah, just because they beat the Raiders. Like, yeah. okay. I know. So they climbed from number eight to number six. Baltimore, they're 2-0. and They did beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati's the odds-on favorite to win the AFC North. It was an impressive win. They won 27-24. to I'm still not sold on them. They moved up from number 10 to number 7. I know they're undefeated. I think Stephen A. Smith had him and had the Ravens in this top 5. Yeah, he didn't even have the Chiefs in the top 5. Yeah, that, I mean. Detroit, they slide two spots. I feel like that's not really fair. But then again, maybe, maybe this guy is basing it off the fact that Seattle, how badly they got beaten week 1. So they then went on the road to Detroit and then beat Detroit in their seat, uh, home opener. A lot of hype was going around on that. So, I mean, maybe that's why they dropped them from 6 to 8. But I think, yeah, they're still a top 10 team. Jacksonville, they're a tough team. I think they're, they deserve to still be in the top 10. At number 9, I feel like it's a fair spot for them. New Orleans. Is New Orleans really a top 10 team? I don't know, man. It just seems like they win when they need to, big plays when they need to. But other than that, it's usually kind of sloppy. Their first two games against the Tennessee Titans and the Carolina Panthers, probably the two easiest games. Well, the Titans aren't an easy out. I know that was Ryan's division winner for the AFC South. Again, they're well-coached, solid defense, but that offense is not good. Carolina, Carolina's just, I mean, they have a revamped roster, new coaching staff. Bryce Young's a first-year starter. And that offensive line isn't good. He struggled. So, I mean, New Orleans has had an easy draw so far. We can do honorable mention. New York Jets slide out of the top 10. Cincinnati, 0-2 at number 12. 
I know the talent is there. Well, especially with Burrow being questionable. That too. With that yeah. calf. And we don't know how long he would be out if he does set out. I know right now he's day-to-day, but I don't know how you'd rate him that high. I'd say a team. So th- this team's not even the top 15. But I'll tell you what. They're a sleeper. I think we talked about them when we were talking to vision winners. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to... I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. They'll fight for a wild card spot because they're well coached. The Washington Commanders, they're at number 19, but they're 2-1-0. Yeah, they got to... I think a lot of that depends on if they can win this weekend. Yeah, and we'll get more into that in our week three picks. But I think for the most part, that's a, that's a fair... Fair power rankings. I think most would agree with it, probably. I mean, it is what it is. We'll see. We'll see if the Chiefs can maintain their status in the top three. But to quickly recap week two, injuries. That, I mean, that was the biggest headline. Especially, you know, you, could, you couldn't think that it would get much worse after Aaron Rodgers ruptured Achilles on week one. Monday Night Football. But then week two Monday Night Football said, hold my beer. And that was probably, I'm sure all of you listening, or every, just everyone in general, if you're a consumer of sports, you saw the injury that Nick Chubb sustained. Oh, my goodness. It was bad. Just prayers out to that man. I hope that he has a speedy recovery. That did not look good. And that is the same knee that he severely injured in college at Georgia. So you're talking about, you know, his knee may have like long-term issues. Because, I mean, two serious surgeries like that. Yeah, and they said this time it's going to take two surgeries. Mm. Once the swelling goes down for the first one, then he's going to have to have a second operation. That's, that's, not, that's not promising. No. His future... In the NFL is likely, I mean, that's probably not the most important thing. Really, the most important thing, you know, can he walk normal as he gets older? Can he be able to play with, I'm not sure if he has kids, but in the future when he does, can he play with his kids? You know what I mean? Because I have have a cousin, the one that's a Denver Broncos fan. I've told you about him. And I'm sure the listeners, if you guys have paid attention, you guys know who I'm talking about. But he had a significant knee injury in college, and he played football, and he nearly lost his leg because there's uh, clotting issues and everything. But now his knee is bowed in, like, noticeably. It's bad whenever he walks. You know, he can't really do a whole lot with his kids. He'll get out there and, like, he'll coach them and everything. But, and he, he still refs basketball, too. So, I mean, he gets up and down the court. But, I mean, something like that, like, it can have a long-term effect. So, I mean, like I said, just prayers out to him. Did not look good. And Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler's injury was sustained in week one, but he was ruled out for week two. Saquon Barkley and the dramatic win over Arizona sprained his ankle. But the thing is, and I'll kind of, I want to talk about this real quick. Did you see the conspiracy about running backs are now colluding supposedly colluding against NFL owners. So if they're injured, they're going to stay out for multiple weeks to get that long-term contract or because they're not getting the long-term contract. Yeah, I saw that. I wonder if how true that is. I, I, I'm curious 
if these guys really, I mean, they held a Zoom call in the off season. So, I mean, you know, they still talk probably frequently. I think some of that also has to do with the success of the team at the time, too. Like, if you're Saquon, why risk it? That is true. At least in his case. Now, as we continue to talk about running backs, there's been some running backs that have been on the move this week, especially as of late yesterday. There's quite a f- there's some shuffling around. Cam Akers, there was news on Sunday that he was inactive again. I think this is the, it was probably the third or fourth time he was a healthy and active by Sean McVay. Coach's decision. Yeah. I mean, that, that was just, it was a bad relationship. This just didn't work out. Did you see him take to Twitter about it? Mm, I don't think I did. He tweeted shortly after. He was like, I don't know, guys. I'm just as confused as you are. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't think, I don't know. The Rams, their offensive line, they're not good run blockers. They don't utilize the running back. They haven't utilized the running back since Todd Gurley. Ever since Cooper Cup's emergence and then the addition of Matt Stafford, they've been very pass-heavy. So, I mean, they, the running back is almost obsolete in that offense. So, I mean, a guy like Cam Akers, you know, he wants to run the ball. I get it. He's probably very upset about it. He doesn't, maybe he doesn't fit that scheme. I'm sure that him and Sean McVay have probably shared some words. I mean, that, that marriage ended. He gets traded to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota, after the ugly performance rushing, running the ball they had last Thursday night against the Eagles, I think the trust in Alexander Madison went to the basement because he's had plenty of opportunities in his career because Dalvin Cook's missed some time. Yeah. And Madison never really rose to the occasion. So the Vikings add K-Makers to combat that. And then now another running back, and to go along with the Nick Chubb injury, Cleveland Browns were in a market for running back. Now, if you're a fantasy, especially if you're a dynasty in the dynasty league, now you may ask what a dynasty league is. If you're familiar with uh, Madden Dynasty Online, you basically you keep that roster the following year. So the fantasy roster you have now, you would have next year. So a lot of the times, people usually draft younger players. You don't want to necessarily have older players because they may retire or their play may regress. So a lot of people sold a bot high on Jerome Ford. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. He had a great game. I picked him up in your league. Yeah, Nobody he... claimed him. I was surprised. I thought there was no way I was going to be able to get him. I think you were just that quick. But I put him in just in case. Well, I think I was sick on the waiver order. Hmm. Or something like that. And I was like, well, maybe nobody paid attention. Maybe I got lucky. Now, how do you, so you're one of the owners that I'm talking about. How do you feel now that the Browns have also signed Kareem Hunt? I mean, I don't know. He knows the system. But also, they had a rocky relationship last year. Jerome Ford is young, so I don't know if Kareem Hunt's necessarily going to be like RB1. You'd think RB2, maybe just like, Third down, bad down, maybe just kind of like how he backed up Nick Chubb last year. I'm not sure. I think it could end up being split right down the middle with the chance of Kareem Hunt taking that job. Kareem Hunt is a starting running back in this league. He's a dog. He would, If he would have stayed in Kansas City and if everything that happened didn't go down, he'd probably be 
you know, top three running back in the league. Because I, I think when he went to Cleveland, you know, his body language was down. His mindset, you know, he was back home, but he was getting in trouble a little bit more. For the most part, he, stayed, he kept his head on straight. But I think he was out of shape. You could tell he put on weight. He wasn't as explosive. I really think him leaving Kansas City hurt his career. But, he, I mean, he gets another opportunity with Cleveland. Another injury that I saw that came across the Twitter sphere, Buda Baker is on IR for the, for the next four games. Safety for the, the highest paid safety, I believe, for the Arizona Cardinals. And another headline that I kind of I want to get into is I have to look up his name. He has a fun name for the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, I can't pronounce it. I know who you're talking about, though. Breaking records. Oh, where are they at? Where are they at? Oh, they're on Monday Night Football. Another doubleheader on Monday Night Football this week. Okay, here it is. Puka Pukanaku. I apologize to him if I butchered his name. Pukanaku. Is he the next Cooper Cup? I don't know, man. Twenty-two year old, six foot two, two oh five. He has the very similar frame to Cooper Cup. Very similar play style to Cooper Cup has been the Rams' top option while Cooper Cup has been out in these two games. He set an NFL record for the most receptions for a rookie receiver. 25 catches through two games. Both games over 100 yards. and No touchdowns, though. But a target, target machine. And he's getting yards. He's impressive. Now, I wonder if he can keep it going. And then when Cooper Cup does come back, you know, that Rams offense could be a little dangerous. Yeah, it could. I thought that was interesting, though. He, he's a nice player. What would Shaq say? I have to apologize. I wasn't familiar with your game. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody expected that, though. No. But he's making the most of his, like, opportunities. He knows Cooper Cup's out, and he's doing what he needs to do. Along with Monday Night Football, T.J. Watt made Steelers history. Which I, I was very surprised by this. Because if you, if, when you think of the Steelers, you probably think of defense, right? Just mean, tough, gritty guys. You know, Jack Lambert, Mean Joe Green. Guys like that. Uh, who else? Troy Polamalu. T.J. Watt, James Harrison. I forgot about him. I got to yep. mention him. The hitman. T.J. Watt became the all-time leading sacks, all-time leader in sacks for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the, one of the most storied franchises in the NFL. All, again, all those Hall of Famers that have been on that defense, we get to witness T.J. Watt in 2023 became the leading, all-time leading sack. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. He had 85 all-time. And in the same game, takes a fumble back. Yeah. That dude, he's... Hell of a game. He doesn't get talked about enough on the same level as like Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's a generational talent, a defensive tackle. He's one of the greatest defensive tackles of all time. I think it's time to start talking about T.J. Watt as one of the greatest edge rushers ever. And a lot of people will probably disagree with that. I mean, he, he doesn't really get mentioned enough. I mean, right now, he's probably one of the top. It's like him, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Michael Parsons. And, I mean, those are, guys, those are the guys that are basically one-of-one one right now. But I think he needs, he needs more appreciation, I think. 
Now, as we get further into our NFL segment, we'll take a quick look at the standings in the NFL. So in the AFC East, this is becoming an interesting division now. The New York Jets with the loss of Aaron Rodgers, they're in second place, but for now, the Miami Dolphins lead it 2-0. Impressive win against New England. Actually, they almost blew it. You have them leading, though. You have the Baltimore Ravens leading the AFC North. The AFC North was thought to have been the toughest division of football this year. It was looked at as a division that could send three teams to the playoffs. Well, Cincinnati's 0-2. Cleveland doesn't look very good offensively, especially without Nick Chubb. Pittsburgh doesn't really look that Pittsburgh's inconsistent offensively. I think they have the talent's there. They're just hit and miss, and that offensive line isn't great. Baltimore, I'm still not sold on. Jacksonville's 1-1 one one in the AFC South. Three teams in the AFC South are 1-1. One one. So that, I mean, as of right now, the division's open. The AFC West, we, the Chiefs are tied with the Vegas Raiders for now. The Los Angeles Chargers continue to pee, the, pee on themselves <laughs> in late situations. You know the funny thing? Well, actually, I'll mention it during the week three picks. But it's a funny thing about the Chargers and the Vikings. The Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Washington Commanders all undefeated. Who would have thought? The NFC East has probably been the toughest division so far. Yeah, the NFC least is now like, ooh, not the least anymore. Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions are tied for first place as of right now in the NFC North. And who, again, who would have thought? This is probably, this was going to be the worst division in football. The NFC South has three undefeated teams through two weeks. Atlanta, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay. I was not expecting Tampa Bay to do do much. Atlanta, they were the popular pick to win the division between them and New Orleans. New Orleans, I'm not surprised. Again, two easy games to start the season. NFC West, no surprise. The Niners are undefeated. They're probably going to win tonight again. By the way, we have Thursday night football going on in the background at Bernal Broadcasting Studios. I might get distracted. That's okay. I'll probably turn my head over a little bit too. As of right now, who do you say? Who do you think's the worst team in football? Probably the Panthers. I'd oh, play. I don't know. I know the Jets have a win, but probably, nah. I think they have to be the worst, right? I don't know if I can agree with that. I know the quarterback play and the offensive line play hasn't been good, but they have too much talent defensively, offensively. You still have Dalvin Cook. You still have. My mind just drew a blank. What's his name? But like my only problem is with that Breesaw. Breesaw. Yeah. My only problem is with that defense. Yeah, they are talented, and they can get turnovers. They can create a lot, but all those three and outs, all those turnovers, and then they're on the field so much that play is going to regress as the game goes on. That is a fair. They're point. on the field too much. That is a fair point, and this is a that kind of piggybacking off of the Jets. That leads into a question that I wanted to ask you. And I'm sure most of you at home listening and people in the sports industry, especially in the NFL, have probably had this discussion. When do the Jets pull the plug on Zach Wilson? Immediately. Do you, how many, do you give him one more game? I mean, you kind of have to now. It's too late to bring anybody in now. I don't know which free agent they would bring in. They got to figure something out. I wonder if there's the betting odds. for. <laughs> there for, probably is, but they got to do something. 
I don't know. I mean, if he can beat the Patriots, even though the Patriots are 0 2. That might save him. I, I, I don't I think Carson Wentz is the guy that gets picked up. I've seen a lot of stuff about that, too. I've seen a lot of wild trade packages that could happen with some other teams that are down on their luck. <laughs> I don't know, but I would. You'd think they got to do something fast. Or it's one of those if they think Rodgers is going to be back next year. I know they were saying he he could be back by the postseason. I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, probably not. They're probably not going to make the postseason, no matter how great that defense is. Because when you're on the field that much, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. There's only so much you can do. When the time of possession is just that lopsided, maybe their plan is just let it ride, get another draft pick or something, you know? I don't think they can. I think that that's something you have to figure out immediately because your season, like I said, you have too much talent. You don't want to waste that talent. A lot of these guys are on their first, or a lot of these guys are still on their first, their rookie contract. So, I mean, you don't want to waste that because then after Rodgers gets paid out, your salary cap issue becomes an issue. I mean, I know they expected a Super Bowl run. So, I mean, there's going to be some coaching coaches that might not be there if this doesn't pan out. And then who knows, maybe Rodgers doesn't want to come back. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to be retired. I don't know. I wouldn't be. They got to figure something out. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that actually happened that you just mentioned. Now, another conversation I wanted to have. This has been a hot topic after week two. One of the biggest markets in the United States, Chicago. You all probably listening know where I'm leading with this. When do the Bears pull the plug on Justin Fields? Or do they continue to trust him? Do you, Ryan Murray, trust him? No. And after he was going to the media like that, I would say definitely being unprofessional. I would say being a little bit of a baby, trying to place blame on other people instead of his play. Did you see that interview? I did. He said maybe coaching. Yeah. And some of the other things he said, that was... you. Franchise QB does not say stuff like that. Like blaming people. He's already, what, last year he made the comment he, he wishes they had a dome. Like, yeah, this weird yeah. stuff like that. Like, do you want to be here? Do you not want to be here? And then your play speaks for itself in this league. Who's going to want to take a chance on that? I will say, and my brother, my brother Darren, big Packers fan, by the way. So, I mean, obviously he's going to talk trash on the Bears. I try to defend him, to defend the Bears a little bit. I mean, my fiance is a Bears fan. Yeah, you got cuffed into that. <laughs> I will say, and I, I don't know, maybe you, y'all y'all going to clown on me for this. Maybe you, Ryan's going to clown on me for this. I'm a Justin Fields sympathizer. Why? I don't think you can put all the blame on him. I truly don't. Chicago as a whole, think of what they've been the past, during his time, the past three seasons, basically, or two seasons, it's only two games, then 23, but the past two seasons, can you truly pinpoint him as the problem? I don't think you can, because they've been one of the worst offensive lines in football. He's been sacked over 100 times in two seasons. Now, that goes hand in hand. That's him holding on to the ball, but also, you're not doing him any you're not doing him any favors by having garbage blocked for him. Traffic cones are basically there in front of guys like Nick Bosa and people like that. 
their receiver before this year. Darnell Mooney had a breakout year last year, but before this year when they got DJ Moore, it was just Darnell Mooney and some guys. What weapons did he have? But also what receivers want to play with a QB where his first instinct is to run. No, I mean, so they're not going to... I don't know how many free agents they'll attract. I'm not saying that. I'm more so saying drafting, trades. They're, they're not doing anything like that. Like, the best one they've developed is Darnell Mooney, and he's solid. But I don't know if he's a... I don't know if he's a legitimate number two yet. I don't think he's really proven it. DJ Moore, they're not, I think coaching staff, they're not using DJ Moore right. Move him around. That's your best player. Did you see what he said yeah. before the game the other day? So, again, I don't think that it's just Justin Fields because that the coaching staff, the play calling, I watched the game against Green Bay. Justin Fields didn't play great. I think that offense just isn't that good either. The play callers, you, got to, you have to be less predictable. They're either going to throw a screen, it's going to be quarterback run game, or they're going to hand the ball off. And it's one of those three options. And it's, it's either like a quick smoke screen, it's a quick RPO read over the middle. And if that gets taken away, though, Justin Fields only has one read. And then to go along with that, their defense has been one of the worst in the league. They give up a lot of points. They give up a lot of yardage. So they're coming from, they're, most times they're having to play from behind. Yeah, but could that also be because their offense is so bad, the defense is on the field? It could be as well. Like yes. the time of possession so lopsided? Yes. That, that's a fair point. So I don't know. I don't know. At the end of the day, he needs to play better, obviously. But, again, I don't think you can put the entire blame solely on him. I know this, the quarterback position can win and lose you just about any game. But people fail to realize all the other factors that go along with it, I guess. That's why I'm a Justin Fields sympathizer. Call me crazy. Yeah, you could be right, though. You Call know? me crazy. I mean, it is the dumpster fire of an organization. But, but I hope so. they turn it around because, I mean, they got a guy like Ryan Poles in the front office. He came from the Chiefs. He rubbed elbows with Brett Veach. He had to have learned something. He got DJ Moore there. They traded the top pick to make some moves. They cleared a bunch of cap space. Like, the opportunity is there. Like I said, Ryan Poles is a smart guy. I hope he does well because he came from the Chiefs. I hope he can turn it around. I think they need a new coach. I've never even heard of the guy. Matt Eberflus? Fleberfus? (laughs) Dude, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've never even heard of him. Where did he come from? No clue. Is he a head coach? He wasn't a hot name. I mean, I don't know. That's where I, that, that's my take on Chicago. That's neither here nor there. People are probably going to clown on me. That's all good. I can take it. I don't know everything. Now, before we get more into fantasy football and the Chiefs update, I quickly wanted to end week two recap, or I guess leading into week three now. I saw something outside of the NFL. The USFL and the XFL are supposedly nearing a merger. Now, I think that's huge for the game of football because then you would basically have one. It, it essentially would be like the minor league of the NFL in a way. I don't know if you're going to have affiliates and things like that, but you're gonna, that's how the NFL started. You had the NFL and you had the AFL. The two leagues merged together. And I think that's big, especially when you have guys like The Rock with the 
the clout that he has, the the resources he has, notoriety, the notoriety and everything. You have two leagues. Both of them have broadcasting. I think XFL has ESPN. USFL has uh, CBS Sports and Fox, I think. So, I mean, you put the two products together, you know, I hope it works out. I hope, I mean, that'd be pretty cool. You get a second pro football league in the, in the United States in the springtime. So you almost have football year round professionally. I think, I mean, I'm here for it. I mean, you got to think you take obviously two inferior league, but you take the best players from each league into one league. So it's going to give them more, I don't know how to say more. I don't know what the word is. I'm half silly. More spotlight, whatever. Maybe get some better players into the NFL too or fill some of those weaker holes. Because we've seen, and the thing that goes hand in hand with it, we've seen the NFL consider some of the rules that these leagues have. So, I mean, they're, they're, gonna, they're all going to learn from each other. Yeah. And there's the opportunity these players have gone from these professional leagues, lesser leagues, and have gotten called up in a way to the NFL. They've gotten tryouts. They've been invited to training camps. I think the opportunity is there. The NFL just needs to invest. Yeah. Also, sometimes it just takes players longer to develop after college and stuff. I think, like I said, sometimes it, you know. Sorry. We had a quick pause there. We were checking to see if the Niners were going to score the first touchdown. That's the fourth or fifth bad pass he's thrown. I mean, it's Brock Purdy. What do you expect? I was going to ask you later. Are you convinced yet? <laughs> I never truly was. Now, fantasy update. We'll get through this pretty quick. It's week three. Ryan, how are your teams looking? One and one. Not bad. Respectable. Looking pretty good. I week am. Three. I'm two and zero oh in two leagues and one and one in in two other leagues. I will say, I'm kind of panicking a little bit in one league. Now, I mentioned to you before the show about my injuries that I'm dealing with in one league. Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley, my two studs, both out. That's tough. That is tough. In the second week of the season, it's very tough. I had Christian Watson. I traded him for Christian Kirk. That was, I felt like that was a no-brainer. Someone offered me that. That was like getting a silver platter. Christian Kirk just came off a 100-yard game against the Chiefs. So, absolutely, I'm here for it. Now, tell me if you would have taken this trade. So, this guy in our league, at the time, doesn't have a tight end. He also could use some receiver help. So, his receivers look like this. I mean, his starters are good, but he could always have depth. It's always good to have depth. His depth pieces, DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, Gabe Davis, Jacoby Myers. Now, I needed a running back. He has DeAndre Swift. I know coming off the game DeAndre Swift had last Thursday night, I needed to come with a nice package. No, you're not just going to trade me DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift's straight up. I get it. So, and this is funny because this guy was on the waivers. Hunter Henry. You know who, what Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry is ranked right now at his position? Number one. He's the only tight end this season so far to score touchdowns well in back-to-back games. He's had targets, I believe, of six and seven the past two games for the Patriots. I think he has five receptions in both games. 11 points in both games. He has 22 total points on the season. 
this guy doesn't have a tight end. So I try to offer Hunter Henry and Tutu Atwell. We mentioned the Rams pass heavy offense, how Puka Nuka or <laughs> Puka Nuka. Again. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Tutu Atwell has been on the other receiver of that off in that offense. He's been the other beneficiary beneficiary. He's had, I think, over seventy yards in back to back games. He's had over eight catches and has averaged around eight targets a game through two games. Small sample size, but he's number 24 to his position. Now, I tried to trade him. I tried to trade him Hunter Henry, Tutu Atwell for DeAndre Swift and Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is ranked number 30 at his position. Now, in your opinion, does that sound like a fair trade? PPR league? No, standard. I mean, I feel like it could go either way. I feel like I'd have to see his entire team and your entire team, but I feel like the package that you described, I mean, I'd take it. I feel like I'd always rather, especially with how injuries are going and everything, I'd always rather have more depth than anything. Well, granted, I think what I think the reason he turned it down is because he didn't have very much running back depth, which then at that point I get it. But I was trying to give you a tight end, the top tight end right now through two games. Again, small, mm-hmm. small sample size. But he doesn't have one. But also Daniel Jones, or I messed his name up. Mac Jones? Yeah. He doesn't throw it deep. They don't really have a number one receiver. They don't really have anybody. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean if that's his favorite target, that's probably going to be his favorite target always. That's what I thought. I don't know. Maybe I might. I thought I had leverage in the situation. Maybe. Maybe he'll come to regret it. Maybe he'll hit you up in two weeks. Or maybe I keep Hunter Henry at that point. Who knows? I'm moving on to some Chiefs. As we get prepared. Dang, I just stuttered so bad. Oh, it happens, dude. I mess up ten times an episode. As we prepare for week three against the Chicago Bears, it is rivalry week in this house and burn the burner all household. Me and my fiance Marissa. Well you got a nice couch over there. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. So she claims she's not, you know, into sports too much. But she loves the Bears and she hates it when you talk trash about the Bears. They're playing the Chiefs. We did the last time the Chiefs played the Bears was in 2019. We actually were at that game in Chicago. That was the first year we started dating, and the Chiefs beat them 26 to three on Sunday Night Football. Were you wearing your Chiefs gear? Oh, absolutely. Oh, in hostile territory. Yeah, oh, you're about it, huh? I wouldn't call Soldier Field hostile territory. Ooh. Nah. Shot. No, those Chicago do they? They don't play. They were. I mean, they show out. It's cutthroat there, man. Just like New York City, man. The, once the sports fans are invested, the thing is, though, that they're bandwagon fans. So if they're not good, they're not going to show up. But if they're good, the whole city will show out. You know? As most would. But, I mean, I feel like Kansas City were pretty loyal. But it's rivalry week. I haven't been talking too much trash. She doesn't really care too much. But I just feel like come Sunday... She's going to get a little upset. It might get a little dicey. Yeah, maybe. 
So leading up to week three, some things that stood out to me from their week two matchup, Chris Jones. I mean, dog, I, I get it. I get it. I get why he's holding out. Does he deserve? Did he, he, he deserved a raise. Do I still think he should get 28 to 30 million a season? That's just still so tough given his age. But he showed out in a big way against the Jaguars. I believe I saw a pro football focus score of all the Chiefs players from that game. Chris Jones was the highest rated player from the Chiefs and the highest rated defensive player with a 92.8 grade. Came out with zero rust. Looked great. He made a difference. Not to say the defense didn't play well in week one against Detroit. They did. They only gave up 14 offensive points. But to give up nine against the Jaguars, I think the Jaguars are probably a a better offense than Detroit. Especially a team you just beat in the playoffs, too. So, I mean, his presence was felt, obviously. Another thing that stood out, though, the young secondary. Hats off to them. How about the job they did against the Jags receivers? Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. I didn't Kirk. expect it. Christian Kirk had a 100-yard game, but the Jaguars were also playing from behind most of the second quarter to the end of the game. So, I mean, naturally, they're going to throw the ball a lot. But the in the red zone, really goal to go. When Jacksonville was at least inside the 10-yard line, and they're taking shots at the end zone. I believe there's four occasions where the Chiefs, where the Chiefs young the secondary was able to force incompletions, which was huge. I think there were some that were his turnovers on down. Trevor Lawrence could have fit it in there. I mean, they, they did great. Jalen Williams, Jalen Joshua Williams. I can't remember. I don't know. Trent McDuffie. Ryan Cook, Justin Reed. I mean, just hats off to those guys. They did really well. Now, to lead into week three, this is off the field. But I feel like we had to discuss it since we've received more news on it. Travis Kelsey and T. Swift. I hope so. The plot thickens. That'd be the coolest thing ever. So this week, his brother... Jason Kelsey was on a Philadelphia sports bro- sports broadcast, one of their radio shows, and <laughs> he he was on there and he said uh, he's like I don't really try to talk about Travis's personal life too much. He's like I really don't know what goes on, so I don't really like to comment on it much. But then he's like it took a quick turn. He's like, but it's one hundred percent true. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I can't tell if he was trolling or not. Though. Oh, trolling. I, I mean, so. I want it to be true because it'd be lit, but... I think it was. It was pretty funny. But then, Travis Kelsey gets on the Pat McAfee show. Was that today? Yeah. He gets on the Pat McAfee show to, today, and Travis Kelsey himself said that, you know, he shot his shot with the friendship bracelet, but then now he told her, you know, I've seen you put on a show at Arrowhead. Now, you should come to Arrowhead and see me put on a show. She's on break from tour right now. Legend. Maybe she'll show up. Does Travis Kelsey have the Riz? Oh, yeah. 
I don't think we're worried about that. One hundred percent. Now one of the now one of the real things we'll keep, we'll keep it on the field now. One of the real things that drew headlines for the Kansas City Chiefs this week, Patrick Mahomes got paid. So throughout this offseason, we've seen all these other quarterbacks get their mega deals. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes became the eighth highest paid quarterback. Now, I'm sure all of you listening would agree that Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't need to be the highest paid, but to say he's the eighth highest paid quarterback, that just isn't right. He shouldn't be. He obviously should have been higher. I don't think he was necessarily worried about it. He said before he's not worried about it. I don't think the front office, the front, okay, so the front office, they probably felt a little bad. Like, well, we have to give him a raise. I mean, look what he's done. But at the same time, I don't think both parties, they were like, you know, we'll get this done when we get it done. It's no big deal. We know who you are. You know who you are. They restructured his deal. The these next four seasons. So over the so right now, in his current deal, the ten year extension, and in the first three years he only earned sixty five million. I say only. That's a lot of money. He earned sixty five million over those first three years, which was less than twenty two million a season. So now over his restructured deal, the Chiefs restructured it from two thousand twenty three to two thousand twenty six. They are giving him a four-year, $200 million deal. They basically restructured the 10-year deal. And that's interesting. A 10-year deal, they're restructuring like a window of it. And then later on down the road, they can restructure another window of it. I think that's really cool. And they smart. can always move the money in the NFL. It's they smart. can move it somewhere. So now Patrick Mahomes is now behind Joe Burrow as the second highest paid quarterback with $52.6 million, which seems like a steal. Given the play that Joe Burrow has had through two games, getting paid $55 million a season, Brett Veach continues to win. Patrick Mahomes, his contract, his, his contract extension from 2020 is going to go down as a case study. It's going to be one of the most studied contracts in sports history. I think it's going to go down as probably the greatest contract in sports history, not just the NFL. That deal, I remember when it broke. When you first hear $500 million associated with the NFL, you're like, what? I remember all the hot takes. They're not going to have money to do anything else. How's this going to work? It's worked pretty fine for us so far. Knock on. So now this year, for 2023, he'll get paid $56.85 million. Whew, That's a big payday. But then next year, 44 and a half. 2025, 50 million, and then 2026, it goes up to 56 again. It's interesting, too, how even though it says it's supposed to be calculated to 52, they can put more money into this year and then say the next year it goes down, and then year after that it goes up, and then the year after that it goes up even more. It's interesting how they do that. NFL contracts are they're weird. Odd. They, they are odd. The restructuring. It's unique because I don't think that happens at all in baseball. Most of the time in baseball, those contracts are typically guaranteed or there's an insurance policy. 
And then the NBA, I believe the contracts are also guaranteed. But some of those are just insane. I mean, look at the projected contract for Jaron Jackson. <laughs> so that was the biggest news for the Chiefs this week. And now we can get in the preview for Chicago. There's been a few injuries. Kadarius Tony has not practiced. Nick Bolton hasn't practiced. And Richie James has not practiced. Kadarius Tony, again, on the injury report for the sprained toe. I've never had a sprained toe. I don't know what the feeling is. I can't imagine it's pleasant, but really, this guy's hurt again. I know you can't control injuries. It's just, it's frustrating. All the hype this guy received, he's supposed to be our number one. I don't know. It's annoying. What do we need to do to beat the Chicago Bears, Ryan? I feel like we, at least the last few years especially, have struggled more so with running quarterbacks than anything else. But with with the injuries they have on their front line, we should not have an issue at all. At all. I believe we have the highest point spread this week out of any slated game at 13 and a half. That's a lot. That is a lot for the NFL. Now, there's the possibility the Chiefs cover that. But then there's also the possibility, given the money that Vegas lost, or at least FanDuel. I don't know. I do agree with you, though. That probably has to be the biggest key to victory for the defense. Just get pressure. Rush four. You don't even have to blitz. I don't think you have to blitz at all this game. Well, you don't have to be scared of him passing the ball. No. <laughs> I'm not even being a hater. I'm just saying. At this point, no, His you're not His performance wrong. has proven that. Yeah, you're and not And with wrong. the injuries they have. Because didn't they lose their right or their left tackle, then their right tackle is moving over to play left tackle. And then they had some other injuries. I mean, that is a battered up front. And what you pointed out earlier, already a well below average line anyway. Yeah. They're, it's just a lot of dysfunction. We're catching them at a time where they're, they're down. We need to take advantage of that and just, you know, kick them while they're down. <laughs> that sounds bad, but no, really. The Chiefs, I think if you can rush four, get pressure with four pass rushers, play a lot of zone coverage, mix up your zone coverages. I think that's going to throw Justin Fields off. You know, his ability to read defense has been in question recently, so why not test it? Why not put him to the test? See if he can beat you with his arm. Again, I think he, I don't think he's the problem, but again, I think you have to test him from that in that regard. If you can contain him in the running game, I think that'll be big too. Well, like you pointed out earlier, they don't have a lot of offensive weapons. If we are if we were able to hold Jacksonville at Jacksonville to nine, we should not struggle with this team at all. They do run the football well. I think we said it last week. If you can get a lead against them, because we said against Jacksonville, if you get a lead early against the Bears. Shut down their run game, make Justin Fields pass. I think you're in a really good situation. Yeah, I mean, the second half against the Jags, I think the biggest thing more than anything was we started running the ball, running the ball successfully too. So if we can take out their run game and we're able to milk the clock more, we might not necessarily have to put up a lot of points to beat this team either. Would you say that's a key to victory for the offense? Run the football more? Put up points early, then run the ball, yeah, for sure. I mean, if Pacheco 
I don't understand why they didn't give him more touches in the first half last game. But I know they said, I don't believe he's questionable, but he didn't practice because of his hamstring. So He was limited today. But as long as he's able to go, just run the ball. Now, I'm checking to see what his numbers were. So they only gave Pacheco 12 carries. I think he should average around 15, 15 carries a game and maybe sprinkle in maybe three targets in the passing game because he's not necess- he hasn't proven to be a pass catching back yet. So maybe, again, probably sprinkle in three targets in the passing game. But a one-two punch with him and Jarek McKinnon, hell, even throwing Clyde Edwards-Alaire in this game. Let's not get too crazy. <laughs> well, don't give him the ball a lot, but really, I think you do need to establish a run. Prove your dominance. Their defense has given up points this season. They did well against, they did okay against Tampa Bay. The Green Bay Packers, they were, they were able to run the ball very effectively against them. They used their running backs in the passing game. I think if you get Jarek McKinnon involved, just take pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's no reason for him to throw the ball 40 times this game. I think this is a, again, like what you said, kind of milk the clock a little bit. Be, what's the word they call? Oh, I can't remember. Conservative? Not, not, no, not necessarily conservative, but you don't have to do anything spectacular. Just run the ball, take what the defense gives you. Keep it simple. Yeah. The playbook's open this, this game, but really I feel like you can be a little bit vanilla, if that makes sense. You can yeah. be a little bland this game. This Let's not try and get too cute. Just take care of business. Yep. Now, there also could be the event that this ends up like an Indianapolis Colts game. I think we already had that game this year. Yeah, so hopefully we got that out of the way. Just take care of business. Week three picks. Chiefs versus Chicago. I think we know where we're going. I don't know if they cover 13 and a half. Oh, Ryan, by the way, how do we do week two? You did really well. Hey, fine. <laughs> this is me turning my pages. Yeah, you went 11 and 5, and I was 8 and 8. So if you want some good picks, listen the, to Tino and the money line. No, 11 and 5, I got to be better. I got to be better. Still, though, from off the dome, though, no preparation. Just, I'd say that was pretty good. I agree. Chiefs, Bears, Kansas City wins at home against Chicago. I'm assuming that's who you're rolling with. Yeah. Now we have this Thursday night game. Normally, we call it ahead on Wednesday. Luckily, the game is tied right now, 3-3. By the time you guys hear this, the game's obviously going to be over. But I already had my pick down. So it's still the first quarter. I think it's obvious, though. I'm gonna, I would have went with San Francisco before the game. Is that a safety? Was it? It might have been. You were going with San Francisco, I imagine. Yeah. Okay. That was an easy one. They had, I want to say, the second highest point spread. Ten and a half, I think. Yeah. I want to say Dallas was up there. I think that is a safety. Dallas was up there as well. Colts, Ravens. I'll go with Baltimore. Baltimore minus eight and a half. Yeah, I have Ravens too. Some lopsided point spreads this week I was going to mention. Hint, hint. Vegas. 
Yes, Vegas is trying to get people back. Titans, Browns. I'm going to go Tennessee here. Uh, I have Titans. So we're, we agree on that one. Titans have been able to keep the games close. I believe right now they're at plus three and a half. But losing Nick Chubb like that, I don't know if they're going to be able to even play Kareem Hunt week one. I don't know how that goes like when you pick somebody up like that. No, but, he, he can play, but I don't know, you know, for his workload, I don't know what it would look like. But with how terrible Deshaun's been passing the ball and turning the ball over, I mean, I know the Titans don't have like a crazy defense, but, and also Jerome Ford, I know he played well last week, but I think his numbers might have been a little inflated because of that like 70 yard run he had. Still think he's good, but I'm going with Titans. I just think that they're vulnerable right now. The Titans, they've been a tough game. They've been a tough team so far through two games. So, so I just think that that's an upset waiting to happen. So I'll go with Titans. We both agree on that one. Broncos, Dolphins. I think you got to go Dolphins. That's what I have. They've been a good team, man. Their defense has been surprisingly strong. Last year, I don't know, it was a little bit shaky, but their offense, their offense is always going to keep them in games. Jets and Patriots, this one's going to be interesting. New England's minus two and a half. They're the favorites. Do the Jets keep falling? I still want Jets. You're riding the Jets. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think it comes down. I know they talk about Bill Belichick being like a defensive god and stuff, but I just think the Jets' defense is far better the Patriots defense, even though Zach Wilson's kind of a nut, I think the Jets are going to eat Mac Jones alive. I'll take the favor. I'm going to go to New England here. I'm going to go against you. Now, this next one. I was just praising them. They better not let me down. The Washington Commandos host the Buffalo Bills. I feel like this could be a, an upset alert game. But I, I'm going to lean towards Buffalo. I got Commanders. Going with the upset. I don't I don't hate it. They've been they've been a tough they're gonna be a tough team. You know, two games is a small sample size. Everyone's already pointing out the fact that Eric Bienemy has turned that offense around and there's it's a hot take that the Chiefs are gonna now struggle because we don't have him. I believe we've averaged first game we scored twenty, second game we scored seventeen. I'm not sure what that average is out to, but either, you know, seventeen to twenty points. It's only two games, people. Let's get a full sample size before we start talking about the Chiefs need Eric B. Enemy. He's a good coach. He's done good things for Washington so far. I do like them, but I think Buffalo wins. Falcons and Lions. 2-0 and versus 1-1. One and one. I'm riding Falcons. Falcons with the upset. Amon Ross St. Brown is banged up this week, I believe. That could affect the Lions' offense to an extent. David Montgomery is also banged up. So two key offensive players. You know what? I'm going to ride Falcons with you on that one. That's a big loss for Detroit, though, if they lose at home. And then they get down two games. Saints and Packers. This is going to be, this is weird. Packers should have beat the Falcons in week two. New Orleans has had a cupcake schedule so far. If Aaron Jones is back, I like the Packers. I'm going with the Saints still. I think Jordan Love still hasn't proven a whole lot. I think that defense might be too much for him. Believe it or not, 
Jordan Love is a top fantasy quarterback through two games. I'll go with the Packers. Jaguars, Texans. Again, the point spreads are not generous this week. Jacksonville, minus eight and a half. Now, the Texans did just get blown out by Indianapolis, so, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I'm going to go Jaguars. Yeah, I'm going Jags, too. I mean, I know there's got to be a few upsets, you would think, but I just don't see that one happening. No, especially not in Jacksonville. Now, this is the one that is, this is a funny one. Now, if you are just a fan of the NFL and you are familiar with the season the Vikings had last year, and really, if you are familiar with the Chargers' lack of meeting expectations as a whole over the past decade, they were, they were the one team, they're the only team in NFL history, it was in 2009, they had the number one ranked offense and the number yep. one ranked defense and still managed to miss the playoffs. That is the Chargers franchise in a nutshell. They had the worst rated special teams. That season, yes. I've watched that video. It's insane. Yeah. I don't know if you watched it, yeah. but if you haven't, I highly recommend that video because it's absurd. So the Chargers always get talked about as they're going to win the AFC West. They're a favorite in the AFC. They have one of the most talented rosters in the AFC. And they're the AFC version of the Minnesota Vikings. Neither one of those teams finish. They'll come back. They'll be competitive. And now they square off. Minnesota is minus one point favorite. I'm going Minnesota just because I feel like. So I assume Cam Akers won't play. Just because he's unfamiliar with the system, everything like that. I I still don't really know how that works in the NFL when they bring him in midweek like that. I think he'll play. I think like so him and him and Kareem Hunt are both eligible, I believe. I don't think that Cam Akers makes a difference in that offense. I truly don't. I'm going with Kirko Chains. <laughs> I respect I it. feel like they're 0 2, but it is not his fault. At all. He played against one of the, you know, best teams in the league, even though they haven't played very well so far but a lot of people still have them going back to the Super Bowl and he played really well against them they did not lose that game because of him at all he showed out I'm Ryan, going with Kirk O'Chains for sure Ryan is a Kirk Cousins sympathizer if you couldn't tell not really I just feel like he gets a lot of blame <laughs> for a lot of stuff that's not his fault no he really is disrespected for no reason he's a likable guy and he's a good quarterback I'm going Chargers though I think the Chargers get their first win Panthers, Seahawks, Panthers. They're... But I also wanted to point out before you make this pick, Andy Dalton is likely to start per their coach because Bryce Young is dealing with ankle injury. They haven't said it for sure. Ooh. They just said he's likely to start. I got that bleacher report today. Do you think that's a difference maker? Andy Dalton's a serviceable quarterback. Oh, either way, I have Seahawks anyway. But... Yeah, I'll go Seahawks. Now, another lopsided point spread. This tops the 49ers with the Giants, actually. So the Giant, or the Cowboys and Cardinals, Dallas is 12.5 point favorites. Again, if you're a better, be smart this week. Don't take the spreads. Also, don't forget Trayvon Diggs or whatever. Towards ACL. Yeah, in practice today. I don't know if that's really going to make a huge difference against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have at least been competitive. They've been able to put up some points. Oh, but last week was that weird. Dallas defense, though. Yeah, something else. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I'm rolling with the boys. I'm not. I don't want to, but I feel like that's just obvious. That performance the Cardinals had against the Giants in Week Two was weird. It was wild. 
How do you put up 28 points and then blow it? Steelers Raiders. Sunday night football. Kind of a weird one. Vegas hosts the Sunday night football game. Wait, so you're rocking with the boys too, right? Yeah. yeah. Just double check. Come on. I'm not. <laughs> Had to double check, man, because you know, I mean, you see all these weird point spreads and all these favorites and stuff. Somebody's. There's something here we're not seeing. Somebody's going to get upset for sure. A big upset. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna. it happens almost every week. You're probably not wrong on that. I'll go Steelers over Vegas. Uh, that's what I got. Monday night doubleheader. These are, there's, I feel like these are pretty good matchups for Monday yeah, night. Yeah, they are. I'm actually really excited. Eagles and Buccaneers. I think that, that's a good one. I'm rocking Buck. Upset. Baker. I've rocked Bucks, I think, every pick so far. I can't let them. Yeah, I have to. Can't go against them now. I have to, yeah. And even week one against the Vikings. And that Bucks defense has been playing extremely well. I saw that, like, everyone, you know, they like to, Baker's kind of one of those people, too. He gets all the fault when the team plays poorly. But I saw his stats after his shoulder injury and then the numbers he put up, like, when he played for the Rams and then the Panthers and then the numbers he's put up so far. And I know it's only two games, but I'm rocking Bucks. I just do not feel like that. Eagles team has played very well. And then I don't know if you saw it, but Donovan McNabb, like how he said he was talking to Jalen Hurts because there's been questions like Jalen Hurts hasn't seemed very accurate and overthrowing it or just missing passes. And he asked him, like, are you playing hurt? He was like, oh, you know how it is. So hmm. then that, like, how healthy is he? I don't know. Because that Bucks defense has been playing pretty well. I know they've had some lapses, but overall, if there's an upset that would happen this week where it was like, oh, yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. I can see it. Philly's, Philly's five-point favorites. I feel like if you're a betting person, you take Tampa Bay plus five. I, I, I think that's – I like that one. I say that the Eagles could end up dropping, like, <laughs> go crazy on them. Yeah. But I don't know that – I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball with success against – Tampa, Tampa Bay's front four is good. They ran the ball really well against the Vikings, but – that defense had a lot of holes in it too, a lot of injuries too, even in game. So I don't know. I'm going Bucks. I picked them in FanDuel. I'm rocking with it. You make some compelling points. I mean, then again, I could also be dead wrong and Jalen Hurts to go out there and go crazy. He's been he's been timid as a runner so far this season, and he hasn't put up the numbers you would expect. But I think people thought just because Baker was the QB. For some reason, the Bucks were going to fail, but the defense has played better than anyone thought, and Baker is playing smart. He's not forcing anything. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He's winning them games. Yeah, I know it's only two games so far. I'm not saying they're going to you know, go crazy and win 12 games, but I like them in this matchup. You're almost convincing me. I'll go, I'll go Philly. Man, I'm going to feel like I'm going to feel stupid probably by the end of the week, but... Or I'll feel stupid either way. I like my argument. I might be wrong, but hey, I like that argument. Rematch of Super Bowl 56. Rams and Bengals. Both basically, for the most part, the Bengals have the same roster. The Rams have had quite a bit of turnover since that Super Bowl run. But for the most part, some of their key players are still on that roster. Probably a little bit of bad blood still. Jalen Ramsey's not there to talk crap to T. Higgins, but that's an interesting game. Given the fact with Joe Burrow's calf, he obviously hasn't been playing well. You can obviously see. I know they started 0-2 last season and were able to pick it up, 
But that calf still being an issue, still not knowing if he's going to play for sure. I'm going with the Rams. And, like, their offense is kind of imploding a little bit. A lot of their receivers are starting to speak out. Seems like they're not happy with their targets either. Uh, was it Jamar Chase who was upset they're not throwing the deep ball? Mm-hmm. They can't really throw the deep ball because of Burrow's calf. So what are you going to do? If you can't utilize him well. Defenses are playing them differently too. Yeah. I'm going Rams. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go Rams. I think Bengals start 0-3 and I'm going to laugh. That's what we have for the NFL. Oh, before, we did say this. We're going to try something different. We're going to do our lock of the week. So we can pull up FanDuel Sportsbook real quick. Oh, we got the commentary right here. So we mentioned some of the spreads. I think, again, this is a week you don't take point spread this week. If I was to advise you, I'm not a gambling expert. I'm not 1-800-BETS-OFF. But I don't think you take point spreads this week. I feel like it's a dangerous game to play. Block of the week for me, I like Tennessee in the money line, plus 160. I'm trying to pull mine up right now. I feel like that's a good one. Tennessee plus 160, or even Atlanta plus 140 in the money line. I feel like you can't go wrong with either one of those. Actually, I knew what I was going to say. My lock of the week, I don't know how they are underdogs. My lock of the week. Lock this in. Pittsburgh Steelers plus 120 on Sunday night football against the Raiders. That is Tino's pick. What you got, Ryan? This is stressful. Now, now I don't know which one I want. I have the Commanders at plus 230, money line. You know what? I'm rocking with it. That's not that bad because if you say they've, again, they've been competitive. The Bills, they look shaky week one. I mean, obviously, we saw what they did week two when they turned things around. But it's in Washington. Washington's offense is better than what people think. Their defense is, their defense is solid. They give up a lot of points to Denver. Containing Josh Allen is a tall task, but if you bet, what was it, plus 230, you said? Yeah. Plus 230, you can make some money off that, so I don't feel like it's too dangerous. Who caught that? I have no idea who that is. Is that number 15? 10. Number 10 for the San Francisco 49ers. There's a flag, though, in the backfield. Okay. Offensive holding? Could be. Now we'll move on to college football. Week four of the college football season. It's chugging along. We have our AP top 10. Let me pull it up. The Georgia Ooh, on defense. The Georgia Bulldogs are number one. They almost they they had a tough game in South Carolina. Remember I told you that that could be an upset game? Mm. I went with Georgia though, but I, I would bet against Georgia. I wanted South Carolina to win. Michigan, number two. Texas, number three. Florida State, number four. USC, number five. I feel like USC should be moved up ahead of Texas, maybe. Texas had a little bit of struggle against Wyoming. 
they still won by double digit points, but yeah, it was close. And then the last four or five minutes, they put up points out of nowhere. Yeah. Ohio State number six, Penn State number seven, Washington number eight. I heard an interesting take about teams like Washington or teams like Penn State. So they get the preseason ranking right where they're highly rated, number eight. They're in the top 10. And, you know, they win the first couple of games, so they stay in the top 10. But are they truly a top 10 team because they haven't played anybody yet? Now, we'll come to find out if Washington's for real or not. Michael Penix Jr. has been a Heisman candidate through three weeks. But, it, I mean, that's a, that's a good argument to have. You know, are they really a top 10 team? We're going to find out. Notre Dame, number nine, and Oregon, number 10. You have quite a few Pac-12 teams in the top 10. It's interesting because, I mean, we all know it's going to happen with the Pac-12. Yeah. So some of the biggest storylines from week three of the college football season, Colorado Buffaloes with a dramatic win over Colorado State. I don't think anybody saw that outcome coming. Everyone, they were wet. I listened to the episode 58. Colorado was 23-point favorites, and it went into double overtime. And that, uh, that it only, the media ate it up. I, I wonder what would have happened if they lost. It would have been wild. Yeah. So we all know about the sunglasses, the hat. I did see one interesting thing. The sunglasses that Deion Sanders is now wearing is by Blender's Eyewear. Deion Sanders sunglasses, those sunglasses, the brand and everything, have already bought, or at the time, three days ago, have already brought in $4.5 million to the company with sixty-five to 70000 of them pre-ordered through Blender's Eyewear. So those glasses did numbers over the weekend, instantly. That's just the effect that he's had since he's joined the Colorado coaching staff. It's incredible, honestly. And then another thing about the game, it was the most streamed college football game of all time. Now, obviously, years back, think of USC in the early 2000s, the U in the early 2000s, and even some other teams, Florida in the late 2000s. It would have been interesting to see like, if streaming was a thing then. Obviously, streaming is the way of the future right now. But it would have been interesting like, how those teams would have fared. But this was the highest streamed college football game of all time. It registered 9.3 million viewers and was the fifth most watched college football game on record. Had a peak viewership at eleven point one million dollars or eleven point one million per ESPN. Again, the hype is still there. It's unbelievable. I don't know whether to root for them or to be a hater. I don't know how that makes me sound. I'm still kind of torn. I feel like Deion Sanders is kind of corny, but then again, I mean they were projected to get. I think like it was something weird. I don't know how they factored it stupid. I don't know how it comes to a decimal point like that, but like 2.7 wins. They're already at three. Yeah. They've already exceeded expectations. I know they have a tough schedule ahead, but I wouldn't count them out of anything. I mean, that offensive alone is just absurd. 
But they're going to be playing up at some real talent. I feel like they're in the next incon- couple weeks. I feel like their offense is inconsistent. Their defense is not good. Look at all the points they've given up. Call me a hater, but Shador Sanders shouldn't be a Heisman candidate. I mean, give his numbers wise, yes, but if you turn on the film, he played terrible the whole first half against Colorado State. They were lucky they were even in the game. He didn't play that. I know his numbers look good against Nebraska. I said it in episode 58, but really, I watched a lot of that game. He looked average. If you take out the penalties, yeah, I don't know if they win that game. No, that's a fair point. I and mean, then, the penalty, most of the penalties were fair. And then Dion talking about Dion talking about Shador doesn't go second to nobody because Shador Sanders. You know, now there's talk about where he'll go in the 2024 draft. And Deion Sanders, you know, he's not going to go second to Caleb Williams. It's like, first of all, he's probably not even going to go within the first five rounds. He might just because of his name. And the hype, depending on how he finishes the season. I don't know if they could, you know, at least compete with USC and he has a good game. Then, and then again yeah. with, uh, who do they play this week, darn it? Oregon. Oregon. I, it just depends on how they perform this season. I mean, again, call me a hater. I'll eat my words. If he if he proves me wrong, I'll eat my words. But as of right now, I haven't been too impressed by Shador Sanders in his play. His decision-making, accuracy. Holds on to the ball. He's my, really not that athletic either. And my thing is we see it a lot, especially like with certain SEC teams, why some of their quarterbacks don't pan out in the NFL. Like I know Tua, like he's played well. There's been a few, but when you have when you have an offense like that that is – much more athletic and dynamic than the players than the defense like that with some of the teams they've played so far. Let's see how they perform against other like in, like NFL producing schools or NFL talent producing schools or at least schools with NFL Top future NFL league. players on that roster. Yeah, projected first rounders and things like that. I get, yeah, yeah, I see your point. No, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not inter- hating. I'm just pointing it out. I'm like, interested to see. It's gonna be interesting. Now, another big headline. There's a few upsets during week three. We mentioned that week three slate of games was very boring. This week's a little bit different. Week four slate of games is actually going to be pretty entertaining. And we'll, get into, yeah, we'll get into that during our picks. But the other the upsets. <laughs> uh, I got to laugh at this one. Kansas State. Uh-oh. Upset on the road in Columbia to Missouri. Again, I wish it would have been a tie, but I mean, I know there's no ties in college football. Three and a half point favorites on the road, and they got beat. On a 61-yard field goal, the longest in college football history, I think it was. I don't know about college. I know definitely it said it was the longest in SEC. It might have been that. It could have been both. I just saw the SEC part. That was a wild ending. I actually put money on K-State. I felt a little stupid, but... I mean, it is what it is. I think it's funny. I can't wait to play them. I hope we beat them. I can't wait to play Missouri either. Tennessee was upset in the swamp. I think... I, can't, I think you might have picked Florida. I picked Tennessee. And then there's the scuffle at the end. <laughs> oh, Tennessee that was, was upset. Yeah, Tennessee. That's they a, just got dog. Yeah, that was a heated rival. I was not expecting Florida to come out like that. They... Fun fact, their quarterback is from Blue Valley North and Bishop Yeage. 
He's an Overland Park kid. He went to Wisconsin first. Graham Mertz is his name. He didn't play very well at Wisconsin. Transferred to Florida this year. So who knows? He might lead them to a bowl game. One question I have before we get into the KU update. Should the Alabama Crimson Tide be worried? Are you hitting the panic button? Yeah, probably. Well, three weeks in, they got to replace quarterbacks. Didn't they bench their quarterback last game? Brought in their backup, and then now they're going to start the backup this week? Yes. I thought I saw that's what they're going to do. Yes. I feel like that's never good when you're doing that. I believe. I mean, in I week guess it's two. better to do it early in the season versus late, but still, when you're making decisions like that, especially from a program like Alabama, that's something we haven't seen. I believe in week two. Okay, yeah, here's the line. Alabama was 34-point favorites against South Florida in Tampa Bay. And they only won 17-3. to I've never seen Alabama look more vulnerable during the Nick Saban era than that game. That was embarrassing. NIL switching stuff. Oh, now you were messing up. Now I'm messing up. <laughs> NIL switching stuff up, man. More talent spread around. A fun fact about that game South Florida controlled the time of possession 30 minutes to 29 minutes of game time, which is pretty interesting. South Florida was probably a few athletes, a few Alabama athletes away from winning that game, which is insane. I think you have to be a little bit panicked if you're an Alabama fan. They need to get quarterback figured out. That offense was out of out of sorts because of the quarterback play. They don't. They don't. Have, it seems this year they don't have that star receiver that they've had over the last few years. You know, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith, an obvious one, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. That no one's emerged yet. So it's interesting. KU update. Again, I mentioned at the top of the show, they scared me in Nevada. Again, they were heavy favorites. 28-point favorites in Reno. And they went 31-24. I mean, a win's a win. Luckily, everybody was watching Colorado, Colorado State. But, I mean, a win's a win. It is. Wins like that aren't going to get us in the top 25, though. It's just, it just seems like every time we were finally starting to get it rolling, something would happen, cost a penalty, somebody would get hurt, something like that. Obviously, no major injuries, but enough to stop the game. Do you think playing that late on the West Coast played a factor? It has to. Do you also see with the NCAA travel rules, we weren't able to like completely get there the night before. We had to finish our travel the day of. Oh, I didn't see that. Like, what? That's not that's Tell a little that's bit not ignorant. That's a little bit of a disadvantage. Yeah, and you can Google that too. I didn't even understand the reasoning, but it was like NCAA travel rules or whatever they said. So we couldn't even get there until the day of. That's interesting. I did not know that. Or like it's usually like the night before you at least like get to your hotel, whatever, then you can get to the stadium early. But to have to finish travel the day of, that seemed kind of weird. Then you're playing at nine thirty. I mean, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that's kind of odd. That's a late start. I don't, yeah, Midwest school, going halfway across the country. I mean, again, like, we don't want to make excuses, but 
I feel like that's a more difficult trip in game than what the spread was suggesting. Yeah, I I thought, well, we expected a blowout. Me and you both said a blowout. It should have been. 28 points is hard to cover. I mean, they scored six points against Idaho. Yeah. I mean, I thought we were going to run that team. So this week, Big 12 opener. I don't like the line this week either. No, I'm a little nervous about it, but I'm so confident. Minus minus nine and a half. Basically 10-point favorites against BYU. BYU is undefeated. I don't understand. They're coming off a win against Arkansas and Arkansas. More than anything, we just need to protect protect Jalen Daniels. I think they had four and a half sacks last week or something like that. And I think with this KU team, it's always the same thing. Establish the run game. Once we open the run game, that's going to open up everything for Jalen Daniels and vice versa. We just got to be on it from the very beginning. We can't come out flat like we did last week. I feel like we played way better in the second half, especially the third quarter than we did. We can't do that. I say first and foremost, get your first Big 12 win. Yeah. Set yourself up for the rest of the Big 12 season. Put yourself in position to compete for a Big 12 championship. Hopefully we're a little embarrassed at how we played on both sides of the ball. I mean, a win is a win, but still, I don't think that's what anyone expected. Yeah, I feel I, like we definitely played well below our standards, travel or not. I think Lance Leipold will have him. He'll, he'll, they'll adjust. I think they'll, I think they'll be good. BYU will be a good test. It'll be a good test, and then we get Texas the week after. So, again, get your, get your first Big 12 win, first and foremost. Just build from it. Yeah. Let's go 4-0. Let's get into our week four picks for college football. Top 25, we have Rutgers, Michigan. Rutgers is 3-0. and Michigan is 24.5-point favorites. I think this is probably a little bit of a hot take, but I wouldn't be too surprised if Rutgers covered that or if they, if, or if they you know, they ruined it for people. If you take Michigan as a 23-point favorite, I think Rutgers has the potential to ruin that. That's a lot of points. And it's funny when you look at the games last week all across the board, well, mainly college football and NFL, spreads are crazy this week. That can't be a coincidence after all the money, all the gambling sites last week with that Again, wild so for, in-house bet. For, for context, last week Michigan was 40.5-point favorites against Bowling Green. They didn't cover. Week one against against UNLV, Michigan was... 38 and a half point favorite or 38 point favorites against UNLV. They didn't cover. That might be my lock. I'm going to say it right now. That's my lock of the week. Rutgers at minus 24 or at plus 24. Rutgers plus 24. Take that. I'm not saying, I don't know if Rutgers wins that game, but I think they can stay within 24 points. But I go Michigan with the win. I'm going Michigan. Florida State versus Clemson. Big ACC matchup. Clemson, they've won two straight after falling to Duke in the opening in their season opener. Florida State escaped a scary game against Boston Barely. College. It's an it's an interesting game. This is pretty big. This is substantial for ACC. But I don't know. Oh, Jordan Travis. Now I know who that is. Last week I was talking about him in the Heisman talk. He's the quarterback for Florida State. 
He's a little banged up, I think. I want, I don't know. I want to go Florida State. I like the receivers. But I kind of want to go Clemson with the upset pick. It's in Death Valley. I'm going Clemson. You're going Clemson with me? Let's do it. First Big 12 matchup for Cincinnati against Oklahoma. They host the Sooners. Oklahoma. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Oklahoma, they struggled against SMU. SMU is a part of the AAC. That's the conference that Cincinnati was a part of. I think Cincinnati keeps it close, but I'll go Oklahoma. Colorado, Oregon. One of the marquee matchups. This is on everybody's calendar. We've talked about this matchup for a few weeks now. I think everybody in the sports world has because they want to see the downfall of Colorado. This is the, this is the real test. Oregon's 21-point favorites. I think Colorado can cover that. Yeah. Plus 21. I'm going Colorado outright. I'm on the bandwagon. Money line upset pick. That is bold, my friend. In Eugene, Oregon. Oh, trust me. I'm going to put these in FanDuel later. You're going to win the money off of if they win. I will say that. If they win, but... Tell the people, this man won a rack. <laughs> he was part of the FanDuel gamblers. $20 million dollar loss, boy. Ryan Murray was a part of it. Don't come at him, though. He keeps that thing on him. <laughs> Pretty much. UCLA versus Utah. Pac-12 matchup. It's at Utah, right? Yes. I'm going UCLA, though. Ooh. I'll go Utah. Ole Miss at Alabama. Can Alabama rebound and get the ship on course? I'm going Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin, former assistant to Nick Saban, I believe. I'm going Ole Miss. I think I'm still going to go Bama with this one. Duke versus UConn. Duke. UConn. Miami versus Temple. I'm going to go the U. The U. Tennessee, they have to rebound against UTSA. I'll go Tennessee. Got to be. Arkansas versus LSU. I'll go LSU. LSU destroyed Mississippi State last week. LSU. Oregon State versus Washington State. Another top 25 matchup. I like it. Oregon State, number 14 on the road at number 21, Washington State. Both are 3-0. and Oregon State is three-point favorites. I go Washington State. I got to see who these teams have played. I'll go Washington State with you. Charlotte versus Florida. Florida is riding the high of beating Tennessee. I'm going to go Florida. Same. Georgia blows out UAB. For sure. Texas on the road in Waco. I'll go Texas. One of the headliners for week four. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish hosting the Ohio State Buckeyes. Primetime, 6.30 on NBC or Peacock, depending on if you're a streamer. I'm going Dame. Ohio State is three-point favorites. I'm going Notre Dame plus three. In South Bend, I like it. Marcus Freeman gets his first signature win as part of the Notre Dame program. Iowa versus Penn State, number t- again a number 
another top 25 matchup. Number 24 versus number 7. I'll go Penn State, though. Same. Iowa's offense is terrible. And then we have the 3-0 and North Carolina Tar Heels on the road at Pittsburgh. I'll go UNC. One pit. USC, number five in the land, on the road to Arizona State. I'm going to go USC. Same. The number eight, Washington Huskies, host California. I'm going to go Washington. I got Washington. Now, out of the top 25 matchups, Ryan, what would you say is your lock of the week? I don't know. That's hard. Your money line... UCLA versus Utah could be good. Or Colorado, if you want to go that route. I'll go UCLA. I feel like that might be the most realistic. Or the most probable to happen. I don't hate it. I don't know too much about UCLA this season. They are undefeated. Utah is undefeated. Could be an interesting game. We're coming towards the end of episode thirty or 59. I apologize. We're getting to the MLB. Week 25 power rankings. At this point, we're going to talk about it, but power rankings truly don't matter at this point. That's just about who's the best riding into October. You have the Atlanta Braves still number one, Baltimore Orioles number two, Tampa Bay Rays number three, Dodgers number four, Astros number five, Brewers number six, Rangers number seven, Toronto Blue Jays number eight, Phillies number nine, and the Seattle Mariners at number 10. Now things are getting very interesting within the wild card. We can take a look at that real quick. That's what everybody wants to talk about. AL side, the Tampa Bay Rays have already locked up a playoff spot with 94 wins, but the Baltimore Orioles are the AL East champions this year. Who would have thought? They finished, I think, with 77 wins last year. Very young roster. They went. They didn't go worst to first, but they were not very good they were competitive last year i think people saw the writing on the wall they competed for a wild card spot last year but for them to to win the race against tampa bay pretty impressive i like them in the postseason this year the toronto blue jays are the second wild card team as of right now with 85 wins texas and seattle is going to be a battle for the last wild card spot and it's going to be unfortunate if one of those teams misses the postseason because they're both fun rosters to watch. I hope, I don't know who, I hope I hope Toronto doesn't make it so that way Texas and Seattle make it. That'd be cool. Sorry if you're a Toronto fan. <laughs> the Philadelphia Phillies are still the top NL wild card. The Arizona Diamondbacks, Chicago Cubs, the Miami Marlins, and the Cincinnati Reds are in a race for spots two through three, or spots two and three. You have the Arizona Diamondbacks at 81 wins, the Chicago Cubs at 79, Miami Marlins at 79, and the Cincinnati Reds at 79. It is going to be drama-filled. If you're a baseball fan, that should get you excited. Like I said, only less than two weeks away from postseason play. I believe there's only three series left for every team. It's going to get interesting. Players of the week from last week. You have Rafael Devers of the Boston Red Sox. Went 8 for 20. Four home runs, seven 
seven walks, an OPS of 1.86, 1.586. Juan Soto of the Padres went 11 for 24, four home runs, 13 RBIs, and had an OPS of 1,500. Some more news in the world of baseball. The Braves, Dodgers, and the Orioles have locked up their divisions. I mentioned the Orioles. The race for a lot can still happen in the AL Central, but I believe the Minnesota Twins are going to lock up the AL Central. The race for the AL West, you have Houston at 85 wins, Texas at 84, Seattle at 84. That race is going to come down to the wire. That's going to be interesting. Those are three teams that could easily represent the AL this year, if not Baltimore. And then all that's left is the NL Central. Chicago has eight games behind Milwaukee. I don't know if they catch them. I think Milwaukee clinches a spot. The funny thing is about the AL and NL Central, though, both leaders, the Minnesota Twins and the Milwaukee Brewers, located geographically, like they're relatively close. Both are chokers, though. I don't trust either one of them in the postseason this year. And some other news. In baseball, not really a whole lot. I think everyone's just ready for the postseason. That's what Hector usually says about this time of year. But there was an interesting news about the Tampa Bay Rays. There is renderings of their new or their proposed baseball, the new dome that they have. Now, if you're not familiar with them in Tropicana Field, Ryan, I, I had to kind of tell you about it this week. They have those rafters and the lights and the ceiling. A lot of people are not fans of that stadium. I don't know if you call it a stadium or arena. It's just an, it's ugly to the backdrop. It's just not an appealing place to play. A lot of players complain about it, but it it looks, it looks state of the art, the new place. If I could show you all pictures, I would, but I suggest you go Google it. It is interesting. We've seen all these other teams that are pushing for new stadiums, the Royals, and the A's, a few other teams, the Milwaukee Brewers, I think, are exploring options for that as well. So baseball is going to get a, basically a facelift, so to speak. Quick Royals update. Fun fact, they have won the last three series they've competed in. They beat the Astros, they beat the White Sox, and they beat the Cleveland Guardians. Go figure. Very end of the season, and they win those three series. When it doesn't matter, unfortunately. Sad moment. Zach Grinke had his likely his last start at Kaufman. Tough. Terrible season for Grinke and the Royals, but amazing Hall of Fame career for him. I'm glad that he was at least with Kansas City these last two seasons. He's been cool to go out and see. He's a Royals legend, period. There was a stadium update the other day. I believe it was yesterday, actually. John Sherman released the press release. They basically still don't know which site they're going to go with for their new, ball, new proposed ballpark. The one in Clay County or the one in Jackson County in the East Village or the one in North Kansas City. Now, in this, I won't read all of this press release, but it is funny what they said. At the very end of this, 
it, say, it states, leaders in both Jackson County and Clay County know that we and the Chiefs need clarity on our stadium plans and time for the public to be fully informed for a vote in April 2024. I don't get that. What, why is he always bringing the Chiefs in, in the discussion? Like you have one team that's basically on top the last five years, and then you have the Royals. Like, worst team ever. Well, I, don't, I don't understand that. Why does he keep trying to bring the Chiefs into it? Like, trying to get... I, I don't I don't understand. That dude is so goofy. I think I could do his job better. <laughs> I hate that. Every I don't follow baseball, but for some reason, I follow that goofball. I feel like it's always in the news, or it's always like I'm getting bleeped reports about it. Why? He's a turd. Like I said, I thought that was the one thing that really stood out to me, is he tried to include the Chiefs. In this press release. Yeah. And it's not the first time he's done that either. No. The Chiefs. Like the Chiefs. Hey, what are you doing, the dude? Chiefs, this isn't a we. The, no. chi- the Chiefs are playing checkers. They're waiting on your move. They're going to take control of that land. If you guys leave, the Chiefs are going to either build a new stadium right there near, or in the same parking lot. Or they're going to build their own little entertainment area. Get their little sports book going. Yeah. We'd be running that place in like 18 months. Absolutely. That's funny. I wasn't expecting that reaction from you, buddy. Well, no, it is goofy that he keeps bringing the Chiefs into it. Like, no, this is your thing with the Royals. Keep that, keep that cancer separate from the Chiefs. Now, what are you even doing? And it's funny that he has to say that because the community is not backing this. Because they're, Jackson County doesn't want this. And either, I, don't think, I don't think North Kansas City as a community can support it. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong, but just stay. Build around Kaufman. Build around Arrowhead. Or just focus on getting a ball club that could at least compete and not embarrass everyone. That too. That too. You don't have to be a playoff team or be great to not embarrass everybody. Just be competitive. Win 80 games for once. Pitiful. It is pitiful. Every press release about that brought up the Chiefs. That was a good soundbite. We. What do you mean we? No flag? This is trash. That was a good ending to the episode. I hope you all stay tuned in throughout this and heard this. That was good. That was the most reaction we got out of you about baseball the whole season. Well, that is goofy. No, I get it. I get it. So, Royal season, there's not much else. I'll talk more about their young talent as we get towards the end of the season. As With the Royals 2023 recap. There's not much to really highlight, but there is a little bit of optimism for some of the position players. But that's all we have for you guys for episode 59. We hope you guys enjoy. Stay tuned in. Stay locked in. Hopefully you, our bets hit for you. If not, we apologize. <laughs> we'll see you guys for episode 60.